podcast is brought to you by Thomas More, the author of a new book entitled Ageless Soul, The Lifelong Journey Toward Meaning and Joy. In podcast number 649, Greg and the author discusses new book which addresses the issues of aging and how to live a fulfilling and meaningful life, even in our later years of life. Ageless Soul teaches readers how to embrace the richness of experience and how to take life on, accept invitations to new vitality, and feel fulfilled as we grow. This book is eloquently written and provides a new perspective on life, no matter what your age. Please enjoy podcast number 649 with author Thomas Moore about Ageless Soul. If you want to learn more about Thomas and his book, please visit www.thomasmoresoul.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And today, joining us from Santa Barbara is Danny Antman. And Danny is the author of a new book called Wired for God, Adventures of a Jewish Yogi. Good day to you, Danny. How are you? Hi there. Good. Nice to hear your voice. Well, it's good to have you on our show, and it's good to have spend a few minutes with you going through your book and getting you to tell your own personal story, which is an interesting one for my listeners. But I'm going to let my listeners know something of you, Danny. Uh, she's an internationally known energy healer and interfaith minister in Santa Barbara, California. Um, she has been at the forefront of energy medicine and healing since 1992 when she graduated from the Barbara Brennan School of Healing. Danny was a senior teacher at the School for Non-Dual Healing and Awakening for over nine years and has led workshops at Estelon Institute, La Casa de Maria, and the Lionheart Institute for Transpersonal Energy Healing. Um, she's dedicated to helping others progress on their spiritual path. And if you want to learn more about Danny, there's two websites. The one for the book is wiredforgod.com, www.wiredforgod.com. And the other website is just her personal website, which is Danny Antman, D-A-N-I-A-N-T-M-A-N.com. Either of those two websites, you can watch some videos, you can contact her. She's available for healing retreats, classes, officiating weddings, and doing Skype calls as well. So Danny, um, this is truly about your personal journey, but in the process, you know, your own personal growth and spiritual growth that you had. And, you know, you, you obviously say here in the title, Adventures of a Jewish Yogi. You grew up in a very Jewish family. Your father owned a store and was a pharmacist. You, you stayed in the book. Well, we didn't come from a lot of money, but we certainly weren't broke either. How did your Jewish upbringing actually influence you because you've come full round circle um, to the person you are today? Um, well, first of all, just a minor um, correction, I guess, because I did not grow up in a very Jewish family. I, I grew up in a very uh, secular family. And um, although my father, as, as you said, did, uh, it wasn't passed down to us kids as something important. We weren't educated. My brother was. I was not educated um, in Jewish schools. And I had a innate resistance to the religion of my birth. I didn't know where it came from. And um, 
an early experience when I was very young at age five um, in a church where I saw Jesus hanging on the cross and asked, you know, who is he? Why, why does he look like he's in so much pain? And my then five-year-old buddy said to me, well, that's Jesus, and the Jews killed him. And I was kind of horrified. I, I mean, at five years old, you don't really identify much with anything, but I knew I was Jewish, and I couldn't understand why my people would kill somebody. So it made no sense to a five-year-old. And um, it wasn't until many years later that I started to form my own connection to Judaism in my search for both personal growth and healing and spirituality. Yeah. And in the process, you know, uh, as you're recounting your personal journey here, you went to interior design school, but you always had a curiosity for this esoteric spiritual paths. And, and there's lots of them out there. Um, how did you, you, you came in touch with this channeler um, that yeah. kind of changed your viewpoint on spirituality. Um, so tell us a little bit about the channeler and your chance encounter, because many of your um, events in your life, um, they're obviously not chance encounters. I think that's the wrong thing to say. They were divinely created for you. Right. Um, but this, but this channeler um, had a significant impact and you had several on during the course of your your journey here with the book, but speak with us about that. Yeah, it was at a time in my life where everything was just perfect. I was getting married. I had um, finally established a career and I was in my early thirties and living a pretty conventional life. I would say I was an artist and um, I had a freelance business that was doing well. And I liked what you said, uh, is it a chance encounter or is it something predestined? I think when there are these threads that run through our life and when we get curious about them, whether about spirituality or something like art or music, when we allow ourselves to open to the whisperings deep inside us, um, reality has a way of showing up and putting us on a path. And of all things, this was a, just a kind of curiosity about a channeler. She had a flyer on a bus stop, and I thought I was going there to hear about my upcoming marriage. And she said the strangest thing to me. She said, oh, you're a healer. You have sensitive hands, and you can help people with the energy coming from your hands. And I didn't know what that was. I didn't know anything about energy coming from hands. And I told her that. I said, what do you mean? I'm an artist. <laughs> And she said, well, why don't you just get a book? And I, I went to an esoteric bookstore out of curiosity again and found Barbara Ann Brennan's book on healing. And that book was a very seminal book. It was 1988. There weren't a lot of self-help books yet. There weren't a lot of books about um, healing. And the profession of being an energy healer, I would say, was not as well known by any means as it is today. Um, and she had a way of teaching people how to open up to subtle levels of reality. And it just fascinated me. I, I went on to meet her through an in introductory workshop. And I felt such a rush of excitement and wonder and curiosity that I committed to a four-year training without knowing what I was getting into. 
Mm-hmm. And at the time, to- at the time, I was curious about esoteric powers. I really didn't know much about healing um, or what that would involve, let, let alone self healing and and personal growth. <laughs> so, well, you went to this Barbara Brennan School for Healing, and like you said at the time, uh, not a lot, not as prolific as it is today, with the amount of people out there that are into this. Um, what impact does it have? And what is your, I mean, when you go to your websites, you can certainly see, see that you're working with patients. I saw a video of you doing hands-on work. If you were to explain to our listeners exactly what you do to move these subtle energies through the body, obviously many of my listeners know about the chakras and the points in the chakras. So you're looking at Eastern and Western kind of blending together. Um, mm-hmm. What is it that you actually do to help people move these blocked energies, whether it's in an an organ in the body or a part of the body, um, how do you tap into that to get that energy to move? Almost like an acupuncturist to a degree. Yes, it's very similar to that. Um, well, I, I was taught to see below the surface of exterior things into the patterns and forces that shape our lives and, and shape our soul's journey. So, even if somebody comes to you with a physical complaint or an emotional complaint, it's kind of a thread that I follow into the subtle body and the energy body and the chakras, as you mentioned. And um, there's a line of everything being related to everything else. So if you're starting with something like, I I don't know, I I work with cancer. Um, Every cancer is different. Every person's life is different. Every person's soul is different. And rather than just looking at fixing something, I look at the patterns that um, have caused energy blocks, which may turn into cancer. Mm -hmm. It's not like I I really um, hate when people blame the, the patient because it's not that. It's simply like a curiosity about the patterns and forces that shape our lives. And it can can include genetics, of course, but it often includes unprocessed beliefs, um, unprocessed grief, unprocessed childhood stuff, trauma. And when we move that energy through energy coming through the hands, um, it tends to resolve itself. And there's great insights along the way. And when people have those insights, the healing process starts. The energy isn't stuck anymore. Mm. So, you know, uh, obviously there's different types of meditation that people can do. And obviously one is for their own healing and then the healing of the world, right? So, um, you know, do you combine this with teaching people how to actually meditate if they come in as well? Or is it primarily just you putting your hands on and, and doing that? You're obviously recommending... I'm going to say mindfulness techniques, meditation techniques uh, to help them heal and to move this energy? It depends on the person. Um, When people come in, if they're in a crisis, we're just working with what's present. Okay. And other people come in wanting a meditation practice and I can recommend certain things. Um, the self-healing part is being willing to open to changing your life, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we start with that, whether it's nutrition or watching one's beliefs, negative belief systems in operation and just noticing that's a form of mindless, uh, mindfulness, you know, where you see the same no to life come up consistently and then we have curiosity about that no and where does that no to life block your energy. Yeah. So it's a kind of mindfulness in action, you know. Yeah. Well, it's it looks like from the video that is on your website, actually the Danny Antman website, where you're showing some hands-on healing there, and obviously, yeah, I, I can see that you're that you're, you know, kind of by the looks of the video, moving the energy. Now, you know this this whole thing when you found this book, this uh, from Barbara Brennan, and then you went to school for four years, and then I remember reading in the book this part about. You know, you had such a, a shift in your consciousness and spiritual growth um, that you'd bring these things up to your husband at the time, mm, and it yeah. just wasn't relating. The two of you were not on the same path anymore. And as a result yeah. of your your spiritual growth and personal transformation, your marriage dissolved. Um, so, what advice do you have for people that are awakening spiritually? They're on a spiritual path. And while their partners are not on that path. Yeah, it can be difficult. It's something I hear about a lot. Um, For some couples, it works just fine because they are not in conflict in their different domains. And um, it just doesn't seem to bring up the same issues. And for other couples, the rate of spiritual growth is so different that there's a shattering in their relationship. Um, I've also seen couples on the same path with great communication that really support each other on their spiritual path. So I think it's different for everybody, but communication is really key. Um, if you can communicate from the deepest levels of your being and be heard and received, intimacy grows and it kind of doesn't matter that you're on different paths or different rates of growth. Um, if the communication stays open Mm. and my ex-husband is on a spiritual path. So it's interesting. He just developed differently and, um, you know, I don't know if it could have been different or not. It's just what happened to us. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I think it is. It's an individual thing. And I think when people, uh, are in a level of, um, what do you want to call it? Discord, pain. Um, you know, it, sometimes it is important to make that separation. Now, your practice and your teachings are heavily influenced by the Kabbalah and the Tree yeah. of Life, and the Tree of Life. Yeah. And as a cap, uh, uh, Kabbalist, Kabbalist, um, yep. <laughs> these these teachings awaken your consciousness and your spiritual growth. Speak with us about the combination of obviously the tree of life uh, and your Kabbalist, which is, you know, Jewish mysticism, which has been around for years. And, you know, I think it, uh, I forget if it was Madonna that first brought it out. <laughs> she was, you know, yeah, it was really big. Things. Yeah, she she right. was really big on the whole. Uh, I've been doing these shows for 11 years and I've interviewed almost 650 people. So there's wow. been a lot of... <laughs> A lot of uh, shows on um, Kabbalah. So tell us how this uh, awoken you and the combination with the Tree of Life. 
Sure. Well, first of all, I am not a scholar, and I'm not a male, and I'm not over 40. Some of the prerequisites for traditional Kabbalah uh, study. And I was taught by a man named Jason Schulman, who was also both a student and teacher at the Barbara Brennan School. And he was somebody who had studied non-dual teachings of the yogic, Vedic path um, and had been a Zen practitioner. So he had an unusual background. Mm -hmm. And one of his main teachings was a view of Kabbalah that was non-dual. And by that, I mean, he spoke to the tree of life as a map of wholeness that included um, all opposites. It included the things we would want to reject from life, like our pain and our suffering. And he included that as a way and doorway into the teachings of Kabbalah. And, you know, traditional Kabbalah is, does teach about that, but his perspective was fresh and new and more modern, I think, than the traditional Kabbalah. So, I I just want to say it was non-traditional. And because I had been a healer already, because he had been a healer already, um, we studied the Tree of Life as a way to do hands-on healing. And to my knowledge, I haven't seen much of that in traditional circles. So the Tree of Life became very real. It wasn't abstract or um, symbolic. As we learn to interact with the 10 main qualities, which are called spheros, um, we found those qualities in our being, in our body, and in our lives, in our psychology. And I found that they were quite real, that they revealed themselves to me. Um, Kabbalah literally means to receive, to receive the wisdom of the teachings. And the more we, we're presencing ourselves with these teachings, the more we had personal revelation and healing, personal growth and healing. And it was a different system than the chakra system, although they're easily comparable because um, there's a lot of similarities. But the main difference is that the 10 spirit, the 10 qualities are actually names of God. They're divine attributes. And I I felt my spiritual life open greatly as I worked with these divine attributes. They brought a sense of holiness and sacredness into the healing work. And um, I just felt um, a great kinship with the metaphors of Kabbalistic teaching. And it made me curious about Judaism for the first time in my life. So I did a kind of backwards journey You're supposed to be very grounded in Judaism before you learn Kabbalah. And I went back to Judaism to start um, looking into the Hebrew letters, Hebrew text, um, through my love of Kabbalah, which is definitely backwards. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say it's backwards. It's it's, you found it. And, you know, the thing about Kabbalah, Tree of Life, uh, tarot, color, light, sound, vibration, um, yeah. All of these tools, which are combined to assist us in reaching a higher level of consciousness and healing ourselves and healing the world, um, you know, you've certainly experienced that. Now, 
one of the things that happened kind of full circle is you, I am a devotee of self-realization fellowship. And you mentioned that you'd oh, met, yeah. that you'd met uh, or you'd read autobiography of a yogi, and then you met the Swami and the Swami uh, actually brought you more in touch with the Kundalini part, which kind of brings this, the full circle. Now, when most people speak about Kundalini energy, they're speaking about, um, you know, more of their sexual um, expression, right? You even say that the divine feminine in here. Yep. Um, So explain to our listeners, you know, what happened with this Swami, your new perspective, on uh, the kundalini energy as you not only understood it but then were expressing it more as well right um this particular swami again like a destiny meeting uh came into my life when i was struggling with practices that my kabbalah teacher had been giving um that didn't feel right for my body or my uh my energy system and it was impossible to ignore that and having that realization i knew some big change was afoot because i was already teaching at the school and i was expected to teach these practices so i was kind of put in an unsolvable dilemma and i remember a particular night where i prayed from the depths of my soul for help and for a teacher that could help me never expecting that a Swami uh, with knowledge of Kundalini and the Jewish Kabbalistic tradition would appear in my life. And two years later, I mean, two weeks later, he appeared. Two weeks. (laughs) Prayers were answered. Mm -hmm. And he was an unusual being because he was very interested in all the esoteric traditions. And he had a particular awakening that is called in his tradition a teacher's awakening because he got to experience in his own body um, a lot of different challenges over eight years as his awakening stabilized. And it enabled him to have great insight to help people with their problems in awakening. And he drew to him people of all different faiths. And his practices, therefore, were not always just in one tradition. He studied all the traditions and was able to give people yogic practices that did focus on the elevation and progression of Kundalini, which I'll talk about in a second, but they were custom tailored to the person. And that's a really unusual thing. Um, Kriya yoga, for example, is a progressive path. Wonderful. I've, I've looked into it. I was actually initiated into it at one point. But it's, a, it's not an, uh, personally tailored. And I found out I had a particular block that was related to my Jewish upbringing. Um, so their view of Kundalini is that it's the underlying movement in the subtle body of the divine within. It's not energy. It is literally the divine force within that is called feminine. Um, And when awakened, it brings to you the right teachers. It brings to you the desire for liberation. And it can also cause some problems. It has a bad rep because some people have 
uncomfortable energy experiences when it's stuck or when the subtle body isn't being supported in quite the right way. And Swamiji, my teacher, was an expert in helping people get unstuck and having the Kundalini progress in a very gentle way. So our practices were not um, rajasic or um, like breath of fire, creating great heat in the body to move something upwards. They were very, very gentle practices that allowed for integration of the personal growth stuff that needed to happen as you opened up to spirituality. And um, I was just stunned when I met him because I had never met anybody who could do that. And what started out as a um, weekend retreat became 14 years of very dedicated practice under the guidance of this teacher where I would get personal evaluations once or twice a year and have my practices adjusted. Very unusual in spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. Now, was this, uh, was this localized? Did, did you travel to India or did you end up uh, meeting this woman well, here or how were you doing all this? He came to Knoxville, Tennessee, where he had been training an American woman named Joan Shiva Pita Harrigan. And she's still in Knoxville, Tennessee, and she carries his work on. And I had the opportunity to go to India once for a, a, almost a month-long extended retreat, which was one of the highlights of my life, to be honest. It was really spectacular um, wow. to be in Swamiji's land and have the un, uninterrupted time to do three weeks. It was about three and a half weeks of practice and touring spiritual sites. Well, one thing you can say about your book is it's an interesting uh journey that you've taken the reader on you know as you say this book is it's candid compelling it's your memoir of your spiritual journey um, from mystical judaism through the kundalini science and back again um Mm -hmm. it is easy read i'll tell my listeners that um if they want to learn more about this book go to www.wiredforgod.com um, you can get this on Amazon or any of your best book selling stores. Are there any events or things that you'd like to tell our listeners about, Danny, um, as far as them getting in touch with you or if they have any questions about wanting to get a healing from you? I notice you do Skype calls with people. And you obviously there's people all over the country that listen to this and all over the world. Um, oh, great. what's the best way for you to, you know, make connection with them? They can, um, email me through my website. Uh, my phone number, I, I believe is even on my website. They can schedule an appointment on my website. So all of that, the dannyantman.com website. And, um, I'm planning an upcoming event in Boulder. I think it's the third weekend of January. I'll be back in Sebastopol, California, where I once lived in February. And I hope to set up a a teaching schedule, which will appear on my website, but I'm not quite there yet. I'm just focusing on book tours right now. Well, Um, but if they want to learn more about you, there's two ways that my listeners can get to you. Um, They virtually can go to the website, which is Danny Antman. A-N-T-M-A-N-D-A-N-I dot com. So that's Danny, D-A-N-I, 
E-A-N-T-M-A-N, or the book website, which is wiredforgod.com. And there you can learn more about her, the book, the events, the media, contact, and so on. Danny, it's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth and you spending a few minutes with us today to kind of discuss your not only your own personal memoir and journey that you've had, um, but also, you know, your learnings. There's a lot people can take away from this book um, about, you know, who knows where they are in their practice. But, it, you know, a lot of people are searching and this is a great way to hear from somebody how you can integrate, you know, Judaism, the Kabbalah, uh, Kundalini science, um, and hands-on healing all in one spot here. So <laughs> may, may I say one last thing? I, I've faced sure. a lot of crises and challenges in my spiritual life, and I think that's pretty common for seekers. Um, I've had disillusionment. I've had a lot of death in my life. I've had um, a healing crisis myself. So I, I wrote the book to really encourage people to persevere on their path and to reach out for help when things get difficult because it's all part of the journey. And you can overcome these difficulties and it's part of our personal growth and spiritual growth to do so. Most definitely. The other thing for my listeners is at her website, Wired for God, if you give her your name and your email address, you can download two free chapters to get a feel for her book, which is obviously a great opportunity for you. And then you can just buy it directly from the website if you like it. So Danny, thanks so much for being on Inside Personal Growth, spending a few minutes with uh, our listeners and telling them your memoir and story and journey about how you've evolved spiritually and consciously as a result of these various practices that you've been involved with. It's been a pleasure meeting you. Same. I loved your questions. Thank you for this wonderful interview. This podcast is brought to you by Tim Cole, the author of a new book entitled The Compass Solution. In podcast number 652, Greg and Tim discuss the four cardinal points essential to winning and surviving in our work environments. Those four cardinal points are personal accountability, people, process, and perspective. As Tim explains in his new book, The Compass Solution, we all need a GPS to guide us in having a successful career, and his book guides the reader to understanding what it takes to make that happen. I know anyone thinking about a new position or breaking out on their own as a free agent will love this interview with Tim. Please listen to podcast number 652 with Tim Cole. You can learn more about his book by going to www.thecompassalliance.com. Thank you for listening. 